All right, we welcome you on back. Locked on Syracuse podcast Tuesday edition today, where we are going to do a full deep dive on Judah Mintz. I have watched every game I could get my hands on. I have looked at every highlight tape. I have read every article. I have listened to every interview of Judah Mintz. I am a Judah Mintz expert, and I am ready to dive into everything about his game because very exciting player the more I got to know him. So we will dive into him, what he is going to bring to Syracuse next year, his strengths, his weaknesses, his role on next year's team, the question marks, anything you have about Judah Mintz, we are tackling that today on the pod. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen each and every weekday. We are the only place to get daily SU podcasts. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, hello to you. Drop some comments in there. We're always looking at the comments on YouTube and using that for future podcasts. So appreciate anyone that is watching on YouTube. Also, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim Leonard here with you today. Before we dive into... All things Judah Mintz, very excited to give a full deep dive breakdown on his game. There was some news that dropped yesterday, and it was late last night after the national title game wrapped up, I believe, maybe even this morning, I'm not exactly sure, but Kevin Sweeney reporting the 2023 Maui Invitational Field. So not next year, but the year after next year, 2023, and Syracuse is in the field, a loaded field. The full field is Gonzaga, Kansas, the national champions last night, Marquette, Purdue, Syracuse, Tennessee, UCLA, and Chaminade, who's always in the field. So the 2023 Maui Invitational Field has every single team that was in the tournament last year that I just named, Gonzaga, Kansas, Marquette, Purdue, Tennessee, UCLA, all tournament teams. Again, this is not next year, but teams that are playing well. And then Chaminade and Syracuse. So it is a loaded field, kind of similar to that Battle for Atlantis field. Syracuse will be back in Maui 2023. It'll be the fourth time playing there. And the Orange are 9-0 and in the Maui Invitational. Won it in 2013, last time they were there. By the way, good article on Noon's Magician to give them some credit, sort of breaking down the ticket packages, because I was curious, and maybe if you're a fan and you hear this news, you're curious as well. According to Noon's Magician, they said that the Louisville ticket packages for the 2022 Maui Invitational, which is going to be back in Maui coming up, are right around $2,475 to about $3,900, depending on your size of how many guests you have per room. I think you do get some Maui Gin sunglasses with the deal, and you kind of have to stay on site and and book, I believe, five nights at the hotel, which if you're flying all the way out there, you're probably doing that anyway. There is a reduced price for children as well, but if any Syracuse fans are interested, I never knew the exact numbers there, but exciting that Syracuse will be back in the Maui Invitational loaded field for that one. So if you missed out on kind of that information, go check out that noon's magician article. All right. So Judah Mintz, let's dive into his game. Very excited. Cause like I said, the more I got to know Judah Mintz, the more I did film really exciting player. A couple things that I thought were interesting before we get into his game on just the timetable of his decision here. He said that he told Jim Beheim, I believe this was from an SI.com article, 
which was from Mike McAllister. He said he told Jim Beheim about two and a half weeks ago that he had made his decision to come to Syracuse. So he kind of joked about how, I don't know where those DePaul crystal balls came from, but he said when he told Coach Beheim that he could hear his wife, Julie Beheim, in the background sort of screaming, and then Coach Red called him after, and they sort of had a great moment where spirits were really high. So interesting that the decision was known for a couple of weeks. I think some people believe that maybe there was a last second change of heart here. It seems like after he went to that Duke game, he thought about it some more. He maybe understood what the role was going to be some more on next year's roster based on how some things were playing out. And, and then he made his decision. So I thought that was interesting that it definitely was not a last minute decision based on that, according to, Judah Mintz himself that he told Coach Beheim a couple weeks ago. Another interesting thing from an SI.com article that Mike McAllister did, encourage you guys to read if you have not, it was with an Oak Hill player development coach, Mike Lee, who obviously got to know Judah very well. He played his high school basketball at Oak Hill this past year, also played for Team Durant on the AAU circuit. And I thought it was interesting. He talked about how much Judah likes the 2-3 zone. I hinted at this yesterday if you listen, but this is the full quote. He said, one thing is he likes the zone. A lot of players, especially young players, don't understand how important a zone defense is. They think, let's go mano-a-mano or play man, but sometimes the zone is the better defense. He understands that, and he's good in the zone, especially at the top of the zone, getting into passing lanes, making passes go high instead of quick chest passes so everybody can rotate. I think he will fit in great in the Syracuse zone. He's really good at leaking out and getting easy buckets. So at the top of the zone, he let other guys get the rebounds and then he gets out and scores for us. I think he's going to be a great fit. There's a lot of lengthiness to his arms, which sounds weird. But when I watched him play, he's, he's a lot lankier than I thought just in the brief snippets I saw of the Geico nationals when that game was on and watching back other games, he definitely does have some length to his frame that is very ideal for a two, three zone, especially at the top of the two, three zone. So again, check out the article from SI.com shout out to Mike McAllister who chatted with the player development coach at Oak Hill, Mike Lee, who gave that quote and gave some good information on sort of breaking down Judah's game that I'm going to dig into a little bit more here. So what we're going to do is going to take a quick break and then I will give all of Judah Mintz's strengths followed by all of his weaknesses that I've seen. A full breakdown. I mean, everything that you could find on this guy, I've done as much research as possible on Judah Mint. So excited to give you guys all that information, drop some comments on what you've seen and what you think Judah Mint's role is going to be next year as well. Also, you can tweet at us at LO underscore Syracuse, and we will always try to get back to you on Twitter. But it is that time of the year where I usually give up on my New Year's resolutions. Not this year, though. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. That is all thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Built Bars are delicious. They are covered in 100% real chocolate and somehow good for you as well. Low calories, high in protein. You can replace your candy bars with these because they taste like candy bars, but they're actually way better for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories and 17 grams of protein, just 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So 
Very good flavor options as well on the Built Bar website. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, to name a few. They've got tons of different options. So if you haven't checked out Built.com, go over there today. And when you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK215 and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off over at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Judah Mintz, let's start out with his strengths here. He's a scorer. That's, I guess, the obvious one, and it sounds silly to say, but that is his biggest strength. Scorer's mentality, very aggressive, very confident player, very good one-on-one player in isolation. Part that really excites me about him is he's very cerebral. That that I picked up on more as I got to know his game and got to watch him. You can tell that he makes the right reads, which is very encouraging for his ability to be more of a point guard and develop more into a pass happy guy as well as a scorer. But the one thing that I noticed and the one thing that gets me really excited about Judah Mintz, the guy can create off the bounce. Unlike any of the guys that were on Syracuse's roster last year. I mean that I know he's a freshman. I know he's young. There might be some growing pains, but this is a dude that one-on-one in isolation has an arsenal of moves, has quick jab steps, twitchy movements, quick first step. He's athletic. He can get to the basket. He's got great bounce. Everything that you kind of need to score a one-on-one he has in his arsenal. His step back, he can go to sometimes, maybe not his best shot, but he's so used to playing with the ball in his hands, and his role is, I am the scorer of this team. He had to do less of that at Oak Hill, and that's what's really encouraging. We'll get into that more. But when he was coming up the ranks, he was very much that new AAU point guard that is a point guard in name because he holds the ball more than most. He brings the ball up the court, but he is a scorer. Score first mentality. And we didn't have many of those guys. I mean, how many times did we say on this podcast, how many times did you watching games last year say to your TV, gosh, if we just had one or two more creators on the team, Buddy was like the only guy that could get to his spots. And as much as I think Buddy was tremendous and was an all-ACC player and had a great career, and exceeded expectations, it wasn't like he was a great scorer off the bounce. He's not going to go to the NBA and have the quickness and the jab steps and the step backs and the moves that Judah Mintz might have one day at an NBA level. Judah Mintz, isolation-based, is one of the better guys I think Syracuse has had scoring the basketball in a little bit. Tyus Battle, I would say, is up there. But again, I I don't want to put expectations too high, and I think – I'm not saying from a standpoint if he's going to come in right away and and be a one-on-one dynamo and and be an unbelievable scorer, but potential-wise, and given his arsenal of moves, compared to other guys that Syracuse has recruited, like Chris Bunch, when we did his full breakdown, and if you like this one, go check out the Chris Bunch one afterwards if you haven't already. Tyler and I did that last week. I think it was just a couple segments, but 
you can find it if you just go to our YouTube page or go on our podcast feed and, and type in Chris Bunch. We have a full breakdown on his game. He is more of catch and shoot, very good shooter, but can he score off the bounce is the question mark. It's kind of the opposite for Judah. I do think he's solid catch and shoot. We'll get into his three-point shooting, but he is very fluid with the ball, really good acceleration, really good speed, very good athlete, tons of bounce, maybe needs to work a little bit at scoring in traffic around the rim, but he seemed to improve in that area. So the really encouraging thing is the guy is just dominant one-on-one scoring in isolation, getting to his spots in the mid-range, hitting those mid-range jumpers. He, in the first five games of Peach Jam, again, this is high-level competition. There's been a couple Syracuse players in this specific class, and Syracuse players in general, that they go to Peach Jam, and that's kind of a barometer, and sometimes they struggle, sometimes they do really well. Judah for Team Durant, he was the guy on Team Durant from what I've gathered, and he had the ball in his hands a lot, bringing it up. He was the initiator. He averaged 22.4 points per game, shot it very efficiently as well in the first five games at Peach Jam. That was the second most at that point in the Peach Jam tournament. So think about that. A lot of really good players. If you're a high-level player, you were at Peach Jam. This is back when he was committed to Pittsburgh. And, of course, the Pittsburgh articles and everything were touting his performance. 22.4 points per game in the first five games at Peach Jam. Now, as we we will dive into some of his weaknesses and stuff and, and get into some of the question marks for next year when we discuss his role in a little bit. But I think the biggest thing is, can he also be a guy that can play very well off the ball? And we started to see that more at Oak Hill. When he was in the AAU circuit, when he was growing up in high school, as expected, I mean, he's a top 50, top 100 guy. He's been that way, high pedigree for a while. He has been the guy holding the ball. He's been the guy creating the offense for his individual team. At Oak Hill, from what I saw in just the one game that he played that I saw in the Geico Nationals on ESPNU, I was very impressed because I was led to believe that the it was a bigger question mark whether he could be an off-the-ball sort of guy, whether he could be a passer. Another one of his strengths that really is encouraging for that is the guy is just very smart as a basketball player, very high IQ. The things he does when he doesn't have the ball in his hands make me happy. He just hasn't had a ton of time in his high school career to sort of be in that role and be as the passer. But what are things you look for when you're wondering, is this guy a high IQ smart player? He's very good at sort of finding spots, cutting to different spots, moving without the ball, really good at just if someone comes into his area, sort of clearing out for spacing, keeping the spacing intact. It seems like he's almost playing chess out there sometimes and has a really good mind for the game of basketball, which I know all these guys do. If you're playing at a high level like he is, that's generally the case. But I think it's even better than you might anticipate. Like I'd encourage people to go check him out watching some of his tape when he's off the ball, because that's really what got me excited about next year. Cause I think we are kind of all in agreement that it'd be ideal. If when Joe Girard is out there, he is not bringing the ball up every time. He is not the one that is initiating the offense. Can he do some of that? Absolutely. It's almost like Judah. I mean, we know that, you know, Joe in a pick and roll with Jesse next year could be very nice, but we don't want Joe to be the primary point guard like he has been for the past couple of years. It has not worked out well. We'd like to see Joe in a role where when Simon Torrance is out there, he's comfortable kind of being himself off the ball. When Judah's out there, 
maybe Judah can become the point guard and he can become the initiator and the creator and the playmaker. And, and Joe's also there doing some of that, but mostly playing off the ball. So you look for cutting when you're trying to identify if the guy's high IQ, of course, making the right reads, spacing, that type of stuff. He checks all those boxes. Another thing he is really good at is he's very good in the pick and roll and making the appropriate read. Something I think he's improved at a lot. Reading through articles, it seems like he's gotten more comfortable in that type of role. Again, as he's become more of a pass type of point guard, as he's progressed in skill level and started to play with guys that are high major dudes as well. It feels like he has a very good sense of, all right, the roller is the open guy right now. No, actually, I'm going to hang back. Just making the appropriate play in the pick and roll. Another noteworthy thing, because I think that speaks to just how sort of ahead of the curve he is, high IQ-wise, basketball IQ-wise. Other thing that I thought was interesting, and something that not a lot of Syracuse guys have been very good at recently, going back to creating off the bounce, this is what encourages me because it's sort of a different look from what Syracuse has had. He's very good at drawing fouls and getting in the lane and sort of understanding that guy's in the air. Okay, I can go to the free throw line. Also a solid foul shooter. I think I saw one year he shot it right around 83%, about six attempts per game. That was, I believe, his junior season, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll get into his shooting in a little bit. Overall, mid-range, very solid. I feel like his three-point shooting is much better off the catch than off the dribble, which is kind of weird for an isolation guy. Like you think of Caleb Love last night or RJ Davis for UNC, just because they're fresh of mind. Those guys are pretty good at shooting off the bounce from three as well. And you don't see them really shooting a ton catch and shoot three wise. And that's part of just how UNC runs their offense. But it, it is interesting to me that it feels like Judah when he was asked to be the number one guy, his three-point numbers went down. But then when he was off the ball, catch and shoot three-point shooter, he does have a very good stroke and he shot it very well from three-point range. And some of that could just be he was just slumping for a little bit. I mean, it's not like a huge sample size when his numbers went down. So that's kind of the gist of his strengths to sort of summarize. Excellent score, excellent athleticism, like just getting in passing lanes, getting to the basket, quick first step, has kind of all the things that you look for from a athleticism quickness standpoint in his arsenal. And like I said, I think his arms are a little bit longer than you might initially think, which is encouraging for how well he's going to be at the top of the 2-3 zone, which was a concern of mine when I looked at the roster, so I'm excited about that. Seems like he has a high motor on defense as well, and, and is, by all accounts, just a good teammate and a good team guy. Like, when he struggled, he's been comfortable playing off the bench, and playing a different role and adapting to that when, you know, other guys are successful, he's cheering for them, all those type of things, which are good to see. Another thing on top of being a good scorer is just very cerebral player that really stood out to me, very high IQ. All right, so those are Judah's strengths. Doesn't have a ton of weaknesses, of course, but we will dive into anything that I've noticed that maybe not weaknesses, but just Sort of, all right, can he prove that he can do this at the next level? And these are the things that are going to change his ceiling from potentially a guy that is a role player for Syracuse next year to one of the leading scorers and a starter and a big part of potentially a winning team for the Orange. So we'll get into that in a little bit. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info, though. I want to remind you about that. 
Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcast, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. Looks like Tiger is going to play. Maybe you want to put a little on Tiger. I'm sure betonline.net has some odds for him. They're your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, weaknesses for Judah Mintz, which again, nitpicking more than anything. Let's discuss his three-point shooting a little bit. There was an interesting line from Mike Lee. I don't think this is a weakness per se, so if that was misleading, I apologize. I think it's just sort of a, all right, can he prove it off the dribble? And Mike Lee said, again, this is the player development coach from Oak Hill, who was quoted in the SI.com article from Mike McAllister. He had an interesting comment saying that he's maybe the best three-point shooter that doesn't need to be. He's got a very good release. Everything sort of looks well. He elevates well for a guy that probably needs to elevate well. Like sometimes if you see a 6'1", 6'2", guy and they're scoring in high school, that's a question mark. How well are they elevating once, you know, they're going up against 6'6", 6'7", more regularly? Looks like he has good elevation, good arc on his shot. I don't think it's, you know, the most beautiful arc ever, but I also don't think it's very flat. It seems like, if anything, it gets a little bit flatter when he's doing a quick, like, off-the-dribble type of release, but in general, it's a very effective shot, and there's really nothing wrong with it, which is good, because I think we were led to believe that Benny was a very solid shooter, and then we realized his mechanics were a little off. I guess, I mean, it could happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Judah... It's just not really used a ton as a three-point shooter because the way he plays and the things that Syracuse are going to ask him to do, it feels like he's a guy that can hit a three and can get hot from three. I'm not saying he's a bad three-point shooter, but I think it's interesting that he doesn't really go to it a lot because he's such a smart player and his shot selection has improved and he's usually the one-on-one type of guy. And usually when you're going one-on-one and you're quick and you're very active like him you can get to the rim and that's just a more high percentage look he maybe settles a little bit too much for like some tough mid-range jumpers but in general i think he's very good at hitting those so he knows that so three-point shooting will be interesting i think off the bounce he's like got to improve a little bit from what i've seen and numbers have sort of backed that up and he had one stretch of maybe 10 or 12 games where he was a high initiator for his team and shot at like 28, 29% from three, but that's just probably a shooting slump too. You could break that down too. The catch and shoot three point shooting seems very solid. He seems always ready to shoot and seems like he kind of understands when the passes are coming, understands where to get to. Again, that speaks to my confidence that he can grow as an off the ball type of player because he's so good at cutting. He's, such a high IQ player already good at making reads in that regard. Other weaknesses are our main weaknesses for Judah. I'd say a little bit of a slender build, which that's kind of true for like all these Syracuse guys. I feel like recently, right? I mean, Chris Bunch, you could say the same thing who's coming in, but I think it, it kind of goes hand in like he's quick and he's athletic. And I mean, if he could put on 10 or 12 more pounds, maybe he'd like that, but In general, I think he probably will do that when he gets to college. So not too concerned about that. I think he could improve a little bit, as I hinted at, at scoring in traffic around the rim, but he is good at drawing fouls. Seems like he's improved in that part of his game. 
when I first started watching him, I was I jotted down a note about how he seems to always drive with his right hand. That's also tough. I mean, I'm I'm not watching a ton of games here. Like I I'm only watching what I can, and I can't sit down and watch every single game of his. If I could, I I would, but I just don't really have access to that. So maybe he is using his left hand more, but it does feel like in highlights and stuff, I see a lot of drives with his right hand. So I just noted that. I mean, who knows? I I think that's something that like every good player is probably using their dominant hand more in highlights. So I'm I'm not making too much of that. But I'd be curious to see, like, is the left hand a weakness? If it doesn't seem like it because he seems pretty fluid as a ball handler with his crossovers and stuff like that. So that'd be interesting. One thing I would say is sometimes he does over dribble a little bit. And I think he's gotten better at understanding, you know, I, I'm not going to get a shot off here, but that'd be a concern. Like he's great one-on-one right now at this level when he steps it up to ACC competition next year, he's so ingrained in his head that he's the one-on-one guy. How quickly is he going to kind of learn? All right, this shot is not happening for me. I need to pass it off again. Like he's got better options on his team. Maybe now at Oak Hill than he did before. And he's progressing into more of that understanding of, you know, this is the right read. And I think that, I'm encouraged he will be less likely to fall into the over dribbling stuff with better teammates because that's just what he's done at Oak Hill with better teammates. And he's a high IQ guy, like I've talked about. So that's interesting. I think when he was the guy for Team Durant and the guy for some of his other teams, he over dribbled a lot. But then again, you could say that about Buddy Beheim this past year. And you could look at Buddy Beheim going, five for 20 in some games or five for whatever. And it feels like it's sort of hard to nitpick that because that's roster dependent. And sometimes they just needed him to be that guy. And he was the creator. And you could also say, well, he doesn't get down on himself and he's still trying to create and staying aggressive and staying true to his nature. Once he is struggling, I think that is going to be a question mark though. Like you see some guys that are young, step it up in competition and it's a little bit tougher for them to get to their spots, a little bit tougher for them to create, and they fall into a habit of over-dribbling and turning the ball over, and that's a freshman thing, especially a freshman thing that could be starting and could have a lot of the volume on his, or a lot of the usage rate in his hands and, and holding the basketball a lot. So that'll be interesting. Basically, to wrap it up, my biggest question for Judah Mintz, just how effective can he be as a pass first type of point guard. I'm not saying that I want him to be just a passer next year, because I think he possesses a skill set one-on-one off the bounce creating that frankly, we don't really have on the roster next year. I mean, that's going to be a question mark. I think that's been overlooked a little bit, like stop and think right now to yourself, who is good off the bounce at scoring on Syracuse, who can get in the lane consistently and create late in the shot clock type of situation. Joe Girard a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, most of that is just him getting to a tough contested three. It's not like he's quick enough to get to the basket, right? So Judah might be that guy next year. I mean, he might have to be. Benny, I would say, is definitely has that potential. We didn't see it last year, but big sophomore leap. I think he could be maybe that it guy for us where he's a playmaker late in the shot clock. But in general, last year didn't have it much freshman coming in maybe possess that judah at the top of the list but that's sort of an unknown so 
hopefully Judah blossoms into that guy. But I think the biggest question going back to that is, is he comfortable growing as a pass first guy so that Joe Girard can play off the ball and he can be a versatile type of player? From what I saw at Oak Hill, that's a yes. Because everything in his game speaks to he has a lot of potential as a passer. He just hasn't had to use that potential yet. And that's why you would say passing is who knows. I mean, passing we know is good. I, I shouldn't say that. But, like, he never, when he was the guy on his previous teams and on Team Duran even, he never had to showcase that skill set. So when he's out there, I think if he is – going to be a starting point guard as a freshman, if he is going to exceed expectations as a freshman, it'll be because he proves that he's more than just a one-on-one creator. He has to prove that he can do that at the next level to the degree he did it, or at least relative to what he was doing in high school. But I think the big question mark is how comfortable is Jim Beheim saying you're our starting point guard. Joe Girard's off the ball, starting two guard, and we're getting enough passing. We're getting enough movement in our offense. It might be that Syracuse falls back more into an isolation-based offense around those two guards next year. We'll see. But, guys, I think he's going to start. I mean, I, I know I, when I say that, I, I think Symeer could very well start the first game. I think Symeer could very well start non-conference, but – I don't, I don't, I like Simeir a lot. I mean, I didn't, when I said that two months ago, and I think a lot of people know that, like I was down on Simeir's ceiling. He's proven me wrong to an extent. He really grew this year, but Judah provides something that not a lot of other guys on the roster provide one-on-one scoring wise. And the way that he can hit that mid range shot, the way that he's just scored at all facets and is a very confident dude makes me confident that he's going to come in as a freshman and be like, Where's the ball? Give it to me. Like, I'll go get us a bucket. And we need more of those guys on next year's roster. So I'm really excited about him. I got more excited as I watched his game. I guess that's easy to do when you're biased towards it. But I really think, you know, I identified some weaknesses. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly he transitions to not over dribbling and and just making the right reads as a passer and how good he's going to be in the role of bringing the ball up because there were some times that he got bothered by pressure a little bit, but I think we overall should be very excited about this one. Cause I think he fits the role that next year's team is asking for at the point guard position pretty well. And if he can prove himself to be a solid passer, then man, he's got a high ceiling and could really be an impact freshman for Syracuse. So that is the full Judiments recap tomorrow on the show. I think we're going to do some football. We're going to discuss the spring game that happened over the weekend, then delaying that a little bit, dive into what we saw from Justin Lampson at the quarterback position, anything we took away from the spring game. That is my tentative plan for tomorrow, unless other news comes up. So subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the pod.